frisson. And I have undertaken the mission of spreading the Pulp Kitchen word and implored my co-workers who share similar passions for film and TV <laughs> image to listen in too. Go into the kitchen and you've written out Pulp Kitchen with the sugar. <laughs> yeah, just like behind like the shelves of like of like the, the, the archives. And then, like, I also agreed about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, I know. And this, like, communist regime was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Not discussing media on art, I hope so. <laughs> Did you see Lily James on your way in? What do you mean? She's on literally 100, 200 meters away filming. Filming what? She's been there for a few days now. Saw her yesterday, walked past her with yeah. my mum. Got, pan, you know, the Panavision film crew yes. trucks yeah, all wow. the way down. Oh. Primrose Hill, parts of Regent's Park closed down. Saw the big jib where the camera like floats uh. around. And then I'm just literally walking past with my dog. And who do I see with, a, I think, a dark wig and a, ba a black baseball cap? Lily James. Maybe she's doing a really like dark, gritty version of those... Sky Mobile adverts yeah, she's doing. The really sunny, bright one. The, it's like, what happens if you don't get Sky Mobile? I know. <laughs> it's a real contrast. Those adverts are really bright. You're going to see it. Like, yeah. Whoa, I should really sign up. Because those are <laughs> not an ad. Budget. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is not an ad. She's not in a Sky Mobile ad. You know, recently, not recently, I, I always feel like it's recently, but we've been doing this a while now. So actually, yeah. like six months ago, you said you saw Charlotte Ritchie yes. filming. Yes. Uh, and. Uh, mm -hmm in Chalcott Square. So I don't watch this show, but I, I think that was the f most recent series of You. Uh, you know, with Penn Badgerley? Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's in that. And yes. I was like, that, which is set it. in London. Oh, that's so that must probably have been it. it. Six yeah. months ago, makes sense. Yeah. Right? In the summertime, yeah. yeah. Uh, Unless they're doing a really last minute reshoot for what, what's I've got to do with it. They're just you know, nipping it like quickly, quickly, two days before. We, we, got, we got something wrong. We need to redo it. Reminds me of when... Uh, I still can't believe Ridley Scott was able to reshoot a significant portion of All the Money in the World yeah. with Christopher Plummer I don't in think, six weeks. I don't think people talk about that enough. It's not even, he didn't shoot it in six weeks. He had six weeks before it was released to get that in the can, and he did it. It's, it's crazy. I guess when you're that level with that studio support, you can make he's stuff like, happen. I can do it. And if you spent that much money already on a movie and mm. they make a decision, we're pinning it out. Mm. And also, just emotionally, for... The, act, the actors opposite to say, thank you, but we now need to redo every scene you were well, in. Not obviously they got the reverse shots, but yeah. you do lose something from that. But you have to like redo yeah. all of those scenes. That's the thing. I don't know. It's like if I got cancelled, you'd have to redo this episode with someone else. Yes, but would I? But <laughs> which you would do? Would I? Because they've already got my the reverse shots right. So the, the Mark, Wahl, you know, like the Michelle Williams. What about thing. two shots? Yeah, that's a good point. You're group shots. Right. Yeah, and I swear there's one bit at the beginning. But I guess you shoot around it. You go, we don't really need him in that many. We could get rid of the group yeah, shots. Maybe there's a bit at the beginning with Mark Wahlberg where I was like, you look trimmer than you do later in the film. <laughs> yeah, and this is not set. Uh, this is all set at the same time. Yeah. At least you didn't have any like uh, pubescent teenagers in there who would have just like oh, shot yeah. up over the summer. One minute like, yeah, we need to get the money in the world. I haven't seen the film. <laughs> um, turn around. So Lily James. Okay, another famous person you've seen. Uh, yeah, around here. Yeah, North yeah. London is kind of the, the, the hot spot. Is they it? love it for like twinkly, romantic little bits. Oh, you own a bookshop near here too. Oh gosh, just like my father. Yes, I knew him. Who died? Sadly, he, he was always by... wanted me to fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> he was hit by a red Volkswagen Beetle. That's something funny. My my mother, she used to drive that. <gasps> my mother was a Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. 
What's love got to do? Got to oh, without me and you are like, why are rom-coms so bad these days? <laughs> <laughs> Just breaking up the formula. Um, How have you been, mate? It's been two days since we... Yeah, lost. we uh, we have seen each other quite a lot night. recently. And yeah. this is we've recorded this kind of ahead of time of yeah. when this episode's actually going up. Our we, schedules are... Change, which means we've suddenly seen each other in like three days. On we don't trot. want to not have an episode out. So sometimes that yeah. means that, yeah, sometimes it's great. And I don't see you for like six, seven days. And in that time we've seen stuff, we've done yeah. things, we can talk. But sometimes it's literally as byproductive where we are. There's two days. Yeah. And nothing's changed in your life that's interesting. And nothing's changed in my life that's interesting. And we've not had the chance to go to the cinema because yeah. yes. we've got lives and social engagements and I mean, jobs. This is one of those this, weeks. This is, this, is, this is the price you pay for putting something out every week. And but since we started the, the podcast in... October 2021. We did yes. have a period of January 2021 where we didn't put any episodes out. Then we came back in beginning of February. That's Feb, the only right? time that That's we. The only time, but since the since we came the, back since the beginning of February 2022, every single week there yeah. has been an episode. Has it been a, has, so? It's been a, over a year. We have had oh my god, we've had a year every single week every we have week. recorded. And not like, to pat ourselves oh, on no, the back, no, but it's, no, no, but I'm just it's like, cool. but like. Uh, it's not like we have we have jobs and we go on holiday yeah. and there's there's Christmases and there's things like yeah. that, but we've still been able to put stuff out. And we're not, yeah, we're not tooting our own horn here. No. We're not saying like, but wow, like, I'm amazing. And but what like, I always say is if there's a week that's a bit lighter, I'm like, that's okay because there's one coming out next week. Yes. Whereas if we were like intermittently missing things, but it doesn't matter because as long as you just keep seeing things. In that time, we, will talk. we, we have had episodes that haven't recorded, mm. like, you know, through technical error. And we've also done a bonus episode. So yeah. like, because this week, the Friday release is Cocaine Bear, which we weren't and able to have seen. Which will be out by yes, the time people listen to that's this. That's right, yeah. Shame. Shame. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wanted to see my, yeah. I want to see the best film of the year. We've got Cocaine Bear coming up. We've got Creed 3. Uh, there's loads of things and some good TV. There's TV. TV Mandalorian's coming out soon. I saw the cousin are doing screenings of the Mandalorian season of three. they are. They're going all out. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing now. It's, the cinema's making money from some of the bigger releases. Got to do. I saw a really interesting article by... Uh, Owen Glieberman, who's one of the main writers at Variety, and his argument was that mediocre films could be the save, like the saving grace for cinema. He named mm. three films. He named Ticket to Paradise, okay, A Man Called Otto, yes, and a film I don't think it's out here yet, but it's bigger in the states called Eighty for Brady, which is like it's set around I think the Super Bowl, I think, correct? Okay. Uh, and it's you know Rita Moreno, Sally Field, Lily Tompkin, and uh, Jane Fonda. It's like Grey Pound stuff. All of those films cost a mod modest amount of to make, yeah. but actually made a modest amount of money, right. not a runaway hit. So whereas everyone's been going like, oh, the Avatars and the Top Gun Mavericks, they're like, well, those are anomalies. Mm. What you might actually look at is these three films, modest budgets, modest return, very mediocre quality, but that's fine. Mediocre returns. Mediocre returns. But <laughs> it, his point was like, actually, that could be what people need because people, mm. there's something about safe and secure, you kind of, it's the exchange of, you know what you're going to get out of it. They don't need the wheel to be reinvented every time. We and can't always try to gross a billion dollars every time we put a film exactly. out. It's not sustainable. It's like thinking the other way about something. And when, and when I read that, I was like, that's actually quite a good point. You kind of need the middle ground yeah. to be there. So maybe that's you how you your, rebuild trust in the cinema. You want your art house indie film that gets 10 days in the cinema, if you're yeah. lucky, that you miss. Yeah. And then you need something a little bit middling like, that even, hangs around for like two, three weeks that you can see at four o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, in the week, 
And uh, then obviously the only other side I feel like even the uh, Seth Rogen Stoner Bro comedies disappeared. They were quite frequent. Yeah. The middle almost, ground. These are all the middle ground. Yeah, yeah. Like he, I feel like those have sort of not. Where's he gone? Where's I know Seth Rogen's doing loads. He's acting at loads of really interesting things, but he's a movie producer and director. With I feel like all comedies are streaming now. Yeah, that comedies do not go uh, get get cinema releases. It's sad, isn't it? It is sad. Yeah, of course it is. What's the best comedy you saw in cinema? The better question would be, what was the last comedy I saw in the cinema? I I genuinely think the last comedy I went to see at the cinema was Anchorman 2, and that was 10 years ago. I can't think of a mainstream studio comedy. And that is like a really belated sequel where the cast from the original are way bigger than they ever were. In the, in when that original came out, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it became. And think about the the cameo scene. Like that was almost a reason to go and yes. see it. And it was bigger. It was so. It felt like such a bigger project than than a sequel to Anchorman One would have been if yeah. it had come out three years after Anchorman One. But God, I just don't. I just can't think of a single comedy that's no. like I've seen. What's a funny? What's a funny? Is it film? weird? You can't even remember. But streaming, I'm like, oh yeah, they always try. Yeah, yeah. Especially the rom coms are big on streaming. But yeah, but like. You know that film You People just came out on Netflix, right? Yes, which but I like, tried. Um, yeah. I know what's crazy about that film is that you have Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Comic, comedic one titan. Of the, one of the Mount Rushmore people. Or, Eddie of, Murphy. Of like, Eddie Murphy yeah. is hilarious. And if yeah. you have, if you do not, like, I'm not saying I know Eddie Murphy, but go back and watch him in his prime doing stand. Eddie like, Murphy Raw. Amazing. Yeah. And um, he just is very withdrawn. And he's very like, he's like this sort of conservative dad. Yeah. Who's a little bit, he's a really obvious comedic presence. And I'm like, you got, you got Eddie Murphy. Use him. You got Eddie Murphy. He's Come not, on. He doesn't have to do the really energetic stuff like he did in the eighties because he's older. But yeah. I, I see your point. Because Julia Louis Dreyfus is in that, who is I love. Right? Um, she's good. I just think the script isn't really uh, yeah. doing her any favors. She's actually really good, and she's doing what Julia Louis Dreyfus can do. Yeah, which is a lot. Which is a lot. And I was like, where's what's, what's where's the why where's did you the get Eddie Murphy? Yeah, like, that was my only thing. It's like, I, it's I like can getting Jim Carrey but making him mute or something like that, or like yeah. <laughs> having him in a coma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, what did you expect? Cover him in green fur and send him down to who? <laughs> anyway, there. Yeah, that was just a, a meander around. Yeah, but let, let us know if we've if we've missed any mainstream big budget comedies. Christ, of all our, has has everything I've seen in the last ten years just been superhero films and Oscar nominated indie films with the occasional breakout. We're the problem. <laughs> and then we turn up on our TikTok, be like, "Ah, man, he's blah blah yeah. blah." Also, actually, can we just talk about that? Uh, so we yeah, posted on. TikTok and you can listen Instagram, to the we, and you know, a clip of James, uh, you know, being very sort of tired with Marvel and talking about how like the multiverse has, has killed the Marvel story and, and, and stuff and, and got a lot of reaction. And a lot of people came out with this line, which is, well, that's how it is in the comics. So deal with it. Right. Which is a bit like when we reviewed Kenobi and we were like, how is this happening? That doesn't make any sense. People were like, well, that's how it is in the cartoons. So deal with it. Yeah. With the argument with Marvel, like that's how it is in the comics. Um, I don't care. It's a different medium. We're not it's talking not, about not the comics. My, that's not yeah. part of the story that's being presented to me. Exactly. I'm engaging with this in in in, in, in cinema. This yeah. is a film medium. That yeah. is what happens in the comics is whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that oh well, they can weave a story that way. But that's like oh, yeah, saying, that's where it's coming from. It's just different rules. Doesn't different mean game. That the, the the parameters for the films makes that successful. Just because you can say that's yeah. how it works, bro. That just because. No. Just because um, baseball and basketball are the same sport doesn't mean they yeah they the <laughs> yeah. same rules. <laughs> well, in football, we can throw it in. Yeah, so this idea that like, well, that's how it is in the comics. I'm like, well, I'm a film audience and I'm watching this as a film. I'm yeah. not watching this as a comic. And it, it just smacks of the kind of comic book uh, reader entitlement that like 
core protects it and goes, well, yeah. I want to, you know, we're, we're, this is based on hallowed text for us. Well, and when we lift these, uh, these little social clips out, which are often the most sort of heightened and dramatic part of an opinion. Of a very long conversation. Of a very yeah. long conversation. Well, often I sort of give it its fair dues and I give it context. I often do think, I will text George and go, it is a bit aggressive. I hope people don't see this like 70 second thing and think I went on for an hour and 10 minutes and just yeah. railed into Ant-Man. Because I didn't. I actually didn't hate the film. All my, my, a lot of the things I had to say were about the MCU as a whole and wow, I think it's just coming a little bit yeah uh, it's sort of collapsing in on itself and you can check out the full review I, on I, the feed if you fancy it and also I was just reflecting on it and I think that Ant-Man and the Wasp the second one yes I think that might be for me the most forgettable Marvel film what about Thor 2 that's not forgettable because it was bad so mm. I remember it I mean it is kind of forgettable but like yeah. I do remember it for being bad also it's, they go back to it in Endgame so it's like yes. it's like part of the cult thing now but and they the they make fun of it in Endgame. Yeah, they do. When the drunk Thor has to explain, so there's this thing. It's and it's, referenced, and it's yeah. referenced in Ragnarok as well. So it's like, it, it's yeah, in there now. You can't joke, avoid yeah. it. But um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, I mean, you could... What happened? In one ear, one out the other. What happened? There was... Uh, I think Lawrence Fishburne so Lawrence was Fishburne in was in it. Yeah. And then he had a, an estranged daughter who was kind of like a ghost. Like, yes, she was like phasing in and out. Yeah. God, really? Yeah. Uninteresting. All I remember is that there was an extended joke about Morrissey in that because... Do you know that Morrissey is really big in Latin America? No. Yeah, I mean, I, every time I remember that, I'm like, I, I can't believe it. But yeah, of all, of all places, Morrissey is really big there. They love him. And there's an extended joke about that in it. And I'm like, well, if you've reached the level where that is a thing that you can make a joke about in a Marvel film, it's a thing. Let's get on with the show. Okay, can we do a film I saw this week? This is a film that's coming out on streaming. It's coming out on Netflix that uh, I saw, went to a screening for the other day. And it's uh, it might slip through the net for some people but i have a feeling if you see this film it's gonna really get you talking get you thinking um for mixed reasons this is a film called the strays and it's a uh, british kind of social thriller social horror film uh directed by debut a debut film from uh, a guy called nathaniel martello white who is an actor is an actor but this is his feature film debut the story is kind of the, the lazy observation that people are kind of, or the kind of shorthand observation people are making with this is like, oh, it's like a Jordan Peele film. It comes from like the Jordan Peele approach to filmmaking, which I'm like, yeah, as a starting point, but I think actually this kind of does the film a disservice. There's more going on there. So The Strays is about um, this woman uh, called Neve, who at the very beginning of the film, we see her in the early noughties uh, living in London in a real state of despair. And she's being hounded on the phone. She's in a she's in a you know a moment of real real panic and crisis. And despite uh, we, you know we're getting hints at the way that her her home is laid out about her life, but she just eventually basically makes the decision to walk out the front door and leaves her life. And it cuts to black. And then it cuts to the present day, and it just says years later in this kind of you know very creepy blood red font. And we are now in suburbia and we are in that kind of british suburbia that is very kind of surrey-esque i would say that if you've ever seen the first few episodes of it's the end of the fucking worlds that show yeah, that. that kind of exact setting sort of surrey suburban mid-century modern houses mm. uh and it, it's a very stylized film and, and, it, and it portrays it in this kind of like stepford wives existence where everything is very well manicured and everyone's very, very uh, wealthy and white. And uh, we pick up with our um, main character. Sorry, if I haven't mentioned it, this is relevant. She is a, a black woman who, uh, a light-skinned black woman, and that's relevant because 
as we cut to the present, she is passing, that cultural term of passing as a white woman. You know, passing is culturally white. Uh, she, you know, she, she, she's wearing wigs and she is adopting the, the full kind of, uh, adopting whiteness as a full experience of life. We see her in this immaculate house, this very rich house, uh, speaking in a very affected way. She's practicing it in the mirror, thinking, lovely morning for it, isn't it? Lovely morning for it. Um, and you're like, okay, I, I know what territory I'm in here. I'm, you know, you've got a bit of performance here, something hidden. And, you know, she's running a charity fundraiser. And we see her go about her life, meeting her friends for coffee. She's, she's a teacher at, the, uh, at a school. And she drives, obviously, an, an immaculate, huge Range Rover. And her, her, her husband, who's white, she has mixed-race children as well now, sort of you know, in their teenage years. And she's living a nice, happy, manicured, stilted life. And like I said, the, the film is very good at creating that kind of stilted existence. But she is being haunted by something. Uh, some, some, something or somebody is following her. And she catches it, you know... It, classic horror tropes in the in the rearview mirror or driving by she'll see someone standing at the road and she sees these two black two black people following her a young black woman and a young black man and she it, it really bothers her and it, there's this quite a few clever moments where it's it's showing that not only has she adopted whiteness as a kind of lifestyle but in in so doing she has inherited a kind of suspicion of blackness a fear an irrational fear of blackness as well so when when a this this uh this black man turns up at her school as a cleaner she's incredibly suspicious of him and 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 her son who goes to the school like she tells him to like keep away so that's some interesting things going on there um and the film you know commences down this road that is thriller territory slightly horror inflected you know white picket fence existence but there's something troubling happened something on it's going what's going on in the past um i think i think the first thing to say is the film is absolutely brimming full of ideas like it's a huge melting pot of ideas and you know there, there's the obviously it's not just about race but it's about the relationship between race and class and about uh city urban life and manicured suburban life about um yeah how whiteness is uh presented how blackness is presented and um it's uh, it's it's it, it, it's really engaging with them in a kind of ambitious, exciting debut film energy way, and that that's great. And sometimes visually, it, it really renders that really well. It's it's very good at capturing tone and atmosphere, and you really feel like I'm in a horror horror genre here. And um, you know, there's been a couple of times recently where, with like Knock at the Cabin, I mentioned, and, and the menu, where I've been like, okay, here's a nice, here's a film which is set in a genre and has a premise, but it pulls its punches. This film. For, you know it, it's not perfect but actually it does have teeth and there are one you know there are a couple of moments that really make you go oh oh that's uncomfortable keep you on the edge of your seat um it is a mixed bag though because this, the balance between the 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 ambition and the ideas and the execution is is mismatched so for every bold idea or interesting moment you have times when the script is um how can I say this? It's just, it just lets it down. Can't carry the premise. You've got dialogue that doesn't really work and you've got plotting that is really illogical. Because I was watching, I was thinking like, okay, what is it about this this story, that this writing that isn't working for me? And what is it about, how can you spot kind of bad, not, it's not bad writing, it's more just like corner cutting or truncated. You know, I, I have full respect for how hard it is to make a film, particularly a debut film. And, when, and then there was a Q&A after the screening and they were talking about how the film had been crunched in the edit and you have to read, kind of strip it down. And I'm sure there was lots of, bit ta- lots of bits taken out. So you have, to, you have to make up for that and, and um, you know, consolidate information. 
but there are times when characters too readily receive information you know when characters too readily go on with a new situation yeah where they go oh okay sure or they meet someone who's a complete stranger and they right. act with them like they've known them for 30 years it's just accepting a new truth very quickly exactly and um the other thing is a, a massive emotional gear changes you know going from naught to 60 emotionally mm-hmm. that's another sign of like slightly dodgy writing because you're thinking I, christ what what how am I? it's just not how people it just doesn't ring true right yeah so unfortunately that happens a few times there's a middle section uh where it really does test you. So there's, you know, you've got these bold, exciting moments, very occasional silly moments, and then some moments which are really kind of stretching the ridiculous. And and it, what was really interesting, I saw it with, in this packed screening room, and you could feel the audience always engaged. It's never boring. It's, a, it's quite a pacey film. It's a little bit longer than it needs to be, but like, it, it, you know, moves along as it's, at its pace. But you could feel and hear the audience kind of not knowing how to kind of, how much to be into this film sometimes like sniggering at some of the seriousness of it but then going along with some of the other thrills and the the film is like a bucking bronco and like you think just when it's about to kick you off it'll do something really interesting and have you back on yeah um but despite all of that there is something about a debut film and a debut film's energy that you kind of have to respect We, we you need to let debut films make their mistake make their mistakes, right? You yeah. let debut filmmakers make their mistakes because you can't go into a debut film holding it necessarily to the same standards or, or being as harsh on it as you would with other films because from those debut films, filmmakers learn and grow and develop and become better filmmakers. And that's how you, that's how you change, you know, the status quo of who are the big directors and that's how people learn. If you, you know, slap down uh, a, a new film as not behaving or agreeing to the kind of standard and set way of doing things um it's very easy to lose upcoming talent um so it is kind of rough around the edges and uh, an imbalance but i also like the fact that i was watching it thinking i don't know where to put this i was like i don't know how this fits it's kind of messy but i like the fact I've, I've, i'm really being it's, it's, it's enthralling how distorted and strange it is some of its messaging is a little bit on the nose. Like, so the, the school she works at is um, a, uh, you know, a huge, big uh, private boarding school. And of course that's a massive, it's, it's great. It's a symbol, sim, symbol of, as, as a, a contrast to how she's changed her life. But also like when you put the shot, you pull in and the school gates is like private school. And I'm like, yes, because I guess she is now wealthy, <laughs> right? Um, there's a bit where there's a whole running um, sort of motif about um, hair and 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 um, hair as an identifier of black blackness and black culture, and um, you know there's a good bit of body horror with her itching and her sort of body deteriorating. But there's this dream where uh, you know so she's been haunted by her past and and her root and her roots and the fact that she has abandoned her heritage and abandoned her culture. And how does that manifest in a nightmare, James? Well, tree roots literally come through the walls and the. <laughs> The roots of her hair, you know, bolt out and roots. sort of r- r- wrap around. I'm like, yeah, Thank man, you. roots, I get it. Um, however, like hearing, hearing the director talk about it at the screening, it was clear that like, you know, there was a lot of intelligent ideas in this and he's drawing on a lot of, um, int- it's, it's a real sort of genre soup. And he was talking about how he was a big fan of Michael Haneke and liked uh, funny games. And there's a bit of the killing the sacred deer there. And I'm like, yeah, I can see a bit of Greek tragedy kind of, um, kind of arch stuff going on there it, it just reminded me that like to do a social thrill uh, to, to do a film that has dramatic thrills genre thrills whilst also trying to be satirical and witty and funny 
is really fucking hard. Really hard. And to do that in your first film, that's really, really difficult. So, so, so to, to, to even like do it half decently, and I think it's a half decent film, is, is good enough. When's it out on Netflix? I believe by the time this is um, um, episode released, it'll be out now. Because that sounds really interesting. And it's like you bring up loads of really interesting ideas about like adopting whiteness and like the yeah. abandoning roots. And it's like, it's, 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 re- it's really hard to, well, it's easy to come up with great concepts. Like how many times has your mate been like, I've got an idea for, for a mm. film. But it's like, even if that was a good idea, like, can you finish it? Can, can you, you execute end it? it? Yeah. Can you write an ending? Yeah. Like um, who's the like who's the is it Stephen King endings right? Doesn't he always get told off for not having a good ending? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's just like I don't. I mean, look, I've never made a film. I just think that it's interesting that you can have a really great concept of loads of different ideas, and then you go yes and or like, do you know how well, to properly that, land the plane? It's almost like that's it? that's yeah how to stick the landing. It's like that is the, that the is point. The, that is the skill. Isn't but it? you know, sixty percent of people can do the first two thirds. Mm. But it's the the talent and the key and the success is how you land it at the end. And um, it's not that it does. The thing is, it's not like the ending itself is where it falls down. Yeah. It kind of falls down periodically throughout the film. Yeah. Um, but would you, would you be wrong to say it was surface deep? Or? No, 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 no. This is it because uh-huh. I came away thinking it, it, it has surface problems in a way. The, the it's actual like it's got you thinking as well. The thing afterwards. is, yeah, the actual ideas in there, I really felt were sincere. Where, yeah. is, where is something like Knock at the Cabin? I was like, I don't know what ideas you're actually going to get I, to I here. couldn't tell you why that exactly. existed. This is like, okay, you've clearly got, there is some stuff here that isn't working, but I do actually believe in you as a director that mm. there is some really interesting things going on here. And I, I would be really interested now to see where the director goes from here. And like I said, yeah, let him learn from this experience. Not that it's been it's not all bad, but let him take this and be an interesting filmmaker um, from it. I mean, one thing that did occur to me is that in the beginning of the, in the first act of the film, when you have this woman who's, you know, very, the, the, the prim and properness of, this, of suburbia is almost archaic and almost like, and particularly the house she lives in is kind of like 60s retro and, and this kind of housewife, you know, uh, lifestyle. And I was like, that's a bit like, don't worry, darling. Cause it's like, you've got, a, you know, utopian existence, being sort of penetrated by something darker mm. out of the corner of your eye. And I'm like, this is far better than Don't Worry Darling. Because yeah. Don't Worry Darling had all the style and all the talent and everything, but it, its ideas were so dull and so derivative and so and so lackluster. Mm. Whereas this actually does have some really interesting ideas in it and some stuff that will make you think. It's just occasionally falls down you know, elsewhere. I think I've kind of repeated myself there, but The Strays, it's one of those films that I think if you do, if you watch it, it'll, it'll get you thinking, it'll get you talking. a little bit of uh, Don't Worry Darling Go and Get Out vibes. Yes, I mean, the kind bit, of yeah. the Get Out stuff's there um, and definitely the kind of just, yeah, slightly sci-fi inflected, but I, I, I liked how I couldn't put it to a different genre. I, I couldn't automatically go, well, that's that kind of film and it goes like that. It's kind of like the first act is like this. Oh, and there's some, you know, there's some switches in narrative and perspective in it that I didn't expect. Um, it's 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 like a unpolished gem, you know, in your hands. Mm. It's it's think it needs more time in the oven. Do you think it's? I mean, who, how the hell do you know? I mean, well, how would I know? I think yeah. that maybe it. Uh, no, I I think. These are interesting, like concepts and execution. You know, uh, use M Night Shyamalan again. The Sixth Sense is a movie you could go. Oh, it's about a kid who sees dead people. Horror yeah. concept, elevator pitch, yeah. done. But. The film is actually really complex and interesting. It's about yes. breakdown of communication. It's about people trying to reach out and mm. like connections failing on both sides. Oh, okay. There's an idea there and there's a theme that really carries you through mm. as well as having this, I see dead people. 
yeah. Well, that's like a really cool scene. But yeah. So anyway, that's that's the strays. If you have seen it or are interested, go check it out. Let me know what you think. It's mm. it's one to chew on. And hopefully this, you know, the director will get get to do some other stuff and um, and we'll see that kind of talent grow. But um yeah, a promising, if uneven start to his career. Just one more thing before we get to emails. Um, we're talking about, we're recording this just after the BAFTAs and one of the uh, nominees this year's BAFTAs for Best Actor and also for the BAFTA uh, EE Rising Star was Daryl McCormack, who unfamiliar to uh, to you and I, but no. he, he was Leo Grand in that film. Uh, Good luck to yes. Leo Grand that came out last year with Emma Thompson, right? So I actually saw that the night before the BAFTAs. It's on Prime at the moment. You can watch it there. Um, you know, I don't want to... Uh, it's, it's a film that came out last year, so I'm not going to give it like the full treatment as we would a review because I'm sure people have either seen it or they've kind of, they know about it. Mm. But obviously it's this kind of two-hander between Emma Thompson and, and Darren McCormack. And she plays a woman in her, I think, 60s who whose husband, you know, husband of 30 years has died two years ago and she has hired uh, Leo Grant, Darren McCormack's character, um, to uh, engage in sex with, to... to She's had a very uh, limited sexual experience as a, as a married woman. Um, she's never had an orgasm. She's had very uh, plain sex. She said, yeah, I want to feel different. I want to do this differently. And you have this dynamic between this sort of uh, relationship and, you know, she's older and white and he's younger and, and black and Irish. And like, so there's this, all these differences are there. And you have, it's very much a play, right? It's very much a play. And I was like, oh, this could be on stage. Mm. But the reason I bring it up is that, well, first of all, Emma Thompson, who we're so used to seeing on screen and so used, to, it's just so familiar to us that, yeah. You almost, it's nice when a film like this comes along and snaps you into focus and goes, oh yeah, she she is really good actually. Yeah. And she does stuff really well. She does it in her style and her Emma Thompson way, but that's absolutely fine. Um, she she really works in this. And Daryl McCormack is a real, a really deserved nomination for yeah. that performance because he brings a lot of sensitivity and vulnerability and is clearly not, you know, the writing is pretty interesting, but like uses the writing that's there as a springboard for his own creation. And I I really felt like I'd connected with him as a character and him as an actor in it. And I, and I thought, I, I look forward to seeing what this guy does next. It was really nice. interesting. So uh, if you catch that, you know, good luck to you, Leo Grand. What, 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 worth watching for a newcomer, for a new, new talent. It kind of flew past me. I remember seeing the trailer be like, that's really interesting. Emma yeah. Thompson I'm a big fan of. Don't know that guy, but that's like yeah. interesting to hear. And it's about really important, interesting topics about sex and sex at all ages and the yeah. stigma associated with sex both sex work and Hollywood famously like refuses to sexualize women over a certain age well, exactly for a really long time. And, and the guilt it's a great SNL sketch with uh, a bunch of great comedic mm. actors about their last fuckable day yeah that's and, it like, yeah. they all sort of like gather around you can go check it out yeah, it's yeah. quite funny but anyways that's good luck to you Leo Grand Darren McCormack one to watch James you normally begin this segment I bring us in you, can you bring us in? Because you, you, you've given it to me to read the first email. This George, should we go through some of the emails we got this week? If you wanted to write an email, sure you can do by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. That's why they pay me the Just bucks. like Will did. Will says, hey, James and George, Will here, emailing from the Shires of Derby. Hello. Uh, that would be Derbyshire. Derbyshire. Yes. I've recently got back from a trip to New York, which I visited for the first time, and I must say that it was amazing. Isn't it amazing? It is great. I'm going in two weeks, can't wait. The entire city is jam-packed, and whilst it was really exhausting taking everything in, I made <laughs> really, a lot of- It really is his first time. Yeah. Everything's so close together. <laughs> <laughs> the grid system. <laughs> yeah. um, and whilst it was really exhausting the taking taxis, everything in- taxis, yellow. Oh, sorry. I made a lot of memories, and even took George's route and had a bagel, salmon and guacamole. Salmon and guacamole. 
Yeah. Salmon and avocado, I could see. Salmon and guac? I, Americans, I think Americans do that. That's okay. Fine. And some New York slices, pepperoni and buffalo chicken. I don't Beautiful. know why I'm reading out the food you made, but sure. Uh, which were really tasty. I saw the friend's apartment and lots of other sightseeing destinations, which you can probably guess. Right. On the way back, I decided to watch a couple of films as it was a long flight. And those were Barbarian, yes. John Wick, the last three episodes of The Bear, okay. Indiana Ooh. Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Okay. Half of La La Land, I guess the first half that would be, I guess, yeah. unless he jumps in at the end, the most recent episode of Pop Kitchen. Yeah, nice. I like that. We yeah. made the cut. The caliber. Yeah, wow. Love that. Of all of these, I must say that I enjoyed Barbarian the most, and I saved yes. the spoiler special where you talked about it for, uh, after your, uh, after we both seen it, and now I have a greater understanding for some plot holes that I didn't get the first time. I, I, I must say, sorry, before you go on, lots of people are coming in with watch Barbarian on your recommendation and have loved it. Yeah, great. I, mean, I, I think that's definitely. come up three times now. And if you're thinking about watching it and you haven't seen it yet, absolutely check it out. I oh, think yeah. it's on Disney Plus at the moment, but obviously, you know, other, other options are available, but yeah, we, we loved it. We yeah, loved it. Yeah, great. Uh, and he says, I now think it's one of the best ones that I've seen of 2023 so far. I was Amazing. pleased to find out that you two found, and he mentions a scene in it, which I'm not going to not gonna read out because it is one of those films that the less you know, the better. But I agree with you, Will, that is a really good scene. Oh, I know of the scene you're talking yeah. about, yeah. My question for you guys was, it, was whether you think plain movies are required to be a specific runtime. As films shorter than the average feature, you know, around 80, 90 minutes, I mean, you don't tend to need to concentrate as much. And films around the two, three hour mark means you can pass the time more, you know, more quickly. When I looked around to see what other people were watching, I saw a stark contrast between Ticket to Paradise and Don't Worry Darling with a little bit of Frozen Planet. Um, and there isn't a question at the end of that, but I'm, I'm like, do we think that there is a... Um, I mean, I think there's something to be something to be said about shorter consumable films. And you could say, I watched A, B, and C on my flight yes. versus failing to get through a two and a half hour movie. There's something about your attention span on a plane. It's really kind of. Because I think distorted. you're also battling with sleep. Depending on what time the flight is, you're battling with sleep. You've got food coming yeah. in. You've got someone getting up to go to the toilet. Yeah. I think shorter the better. Short snappy. Short and snappy. But that's like kind of what we say about all films on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, sorry. Sorry. That's just like nice and short. Um, it's like it's like you and I have a 90 minute limit. And when it hits 91 minutes, we just go, power oh down. My God, power down. <laughs> please recharge your George uh, thank you always for uplifting my Wednesday evenings with your great film talk and I look forward to many more episodes of Pop Kitchen in the future to come you guys are the best thank you so much Will that's really kind and enjoy those flights and he attached a picture of the friend's apartment in his email he did oh so yeah so he's wow. literally done a uh, picture of where he was which I recognise from the B-roll which obviously is just the exterior that yeah because they, they filmed the rest of it in LA right which like whoever owned that apartment their, their estate on that apartment just <laughs> every time they open their blinds <laughs> There's people <laughs> taking pictures. <laughs> I'm sure they love it. I'm sure that whoever owned that apartment at the time made loads of money. This next one is from Thomas, who writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and says, Hi guys, hope you're well. Thank you. I hope you're well too. Thanks again for all your hard work with making the show. Thank you. Following on from an email read out on the latest episode, I just wanted to ask your opinion about censorship slash political correctness in film. Oh, crikey. Whilst watching Reservoir Dogs for the first time in years the other day, a lot of people are... Uh, commenting on Tarantino. And maybe it's something about our podcast that makes people want to comment on Tarantino <laughs> issues and films. But it's a hot topic with a lot of people hmm. jumping in on it. Every generation, every few years, we'll reevaluate what's gone before. <clears throat> That's just 
Part of the process, yeah. Whilst watching Reservoir Dogs for the first time in years the other day, I was shocked at the amount of no context, racist, homophobic, and sexist language yeah. used, which made me remember a lot of the other examples throughout Tarantino's work. It's a different discussion when historical context and character are involved, possibly Django, for example, but found yeah. the nature of the examples in Reservoir Dogs shocking. What are your thoughts on this, and in a similar vein, on enjoying older media with problematic language and themes? Best, Tom. Tom, interesting massive, question. Yeah, massive question. The question of the age, really. Um, I agree with about... I, I, I totally know what you mean about Tarantino. The last time I watched Pulp Fiction, you know, I, I really enjoyed it, but I was like, Jesus Christ, like every other line is a racial slur. Yeah. And yes, there's the argument of like, well, it's how these characters would speak in this degree. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. but there's a balance between just having a litany of it when you know you've got an audience here. And also it, like, it's Tarantino. It's not like a documentary. It's in this heightened world as well. Because um, people have uh, criticized Tarantino for his use of writing the N word yeah. as a white person. But obviously the argument is, or even the homophobic F word, if yeah. he's using that to paint a frame of his yeah. characters. And I think now, not that the word was ever acceptable, but it's far less acceptable to use yeah. now than it would have been at the time. Mm. And that it would make more sense to be dropped in as a way to frame how mm. a character is than it is now. I don't really feel like it's used as much now without being a very pointed political point. <sighs> yeah, it's, I think, I think it can it's, be thrown in as a slur. I think it's almost like... It's it, it's unfortunate that it's there. I can maybe see some sort of warped logic of his, like I was saying earlier, but it's it's just basically someone needed to be if if that generation was better, someone needed to be around the film set and go, Why we, why are we using we this? Need to talk cut, about we why need to we cut eighty percent of this out. But that generation, there weren't enough people. All those people weren't heard, obviously, challenging those things. So nowadays obviously people go first raise their hand and go, uh no. Well, it's now it's seen as unnecessary. Was at the time like, yeah, this guy's an asshole. Just throwing a bunch of those like, homophobic yeah. f words because that's the kind of thing you would say. Whereas it's now, street talk. It's, it's, yeah, it's rough yeah. and it's ready. That's yeah. what it's like. Whereas now we go, well, let's unpack that. On the question <laughs> of the second, what's the second part of that question about <coughs> uh, part of old question. media and yeah, old media. I think, what thoughts on this I think it's really old media with problematic language. I think it's a really interesting point. My thing is always that uh, don't <laughs> we mustn't try and throw the baby out with the bathwater, mm. right? There are some fantastic works of cinema and films that may also be deeply problematic music by to, and music by, by today's standards. I think it's always worth remembering that films are made by like a, a large number of people. And then and the, the fathoms of years that we have passed, it's not forgiving at all. It's more like, I think we as modern audiences shouldn't um, just like strike things from the record. It's more like we need to be just more cognizant and say, I'm watching this, I'm very... What's as a modern audience member, our responsibility shouldn't we shouldn't um, just consume things mindlessly. Yeah, and it's great that you know people are becoming more aware of the use of language, but it's more like yeah, the expe expectation on a modern modern audience member like us is to watch this stuff and go, okay, I'm cognizant, I'm aware yeah. that th some of this stuff is problematic, and that's over here. I'm also going to try and find some of the good stuff there. In the same way, we would review like any film, right? In the same way you and I might go, well, the dialogue over here is a bit wonky, but but the actual, you know, the overall emotional part of this film is great. Um, it's something like, um, and you got, and like, sometimes it's very innocent. Like Some Like It Hot has a whole, the whole premise of Some Like It Hot is, um, you know, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon dressing up as women for, you know, two hours to because they're on the run. And, you know, it, there are a lot of people who 
kind of on a superficial way might go, whoa, whoa, you, the, way you, the way you're depicting that and then the way, you know, you can, the discussion around gender in that film is, is, is so outdated. I'm like, yeah, but it, to, to, you're giving it a level of almost like intellectual articulacy that far exceeds where that film was like 70 years ago. Like, mm. like that film was like light years behind thinking that way. So it, mm. you can't even um, do that. I remember, <clears throat> I want to say... 2019 i re-listened to like i i always listen to eminem but like i properly went through eminem when i was a kid yeah. i probably binged it was getting really into it and like you know i think marshall mother's lp was one of my first ever right. albums that i was bought and i remember listening back to it being like holy shit this is really bad yeah. and like the use of the homophobic f word and i remember like researching like what is eminem yes. said has he commented on this and he obviously has and he's like you know apologized for it and said that he that never really had a problem that he was using the word in this sort of like destructive mm. way blah 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 but you're like that is a real and the, the, the domestic violence in it as well don't get me wrong the music's still incredible mm. but um yeah it's like weird to and as a kid i had no sense that this was bad language to use. I kind of did. I knew it was mm. naughty, but like a no understanding for its context. And you re-listen, you're like, wow, that is problematic. Yeah. <laughs> Especially as a kid to have been given that album. I think it's a, so basically it's a really difficult question, but it's just like, just be, I guess the, you've got to be balanced. As, and, as a, and as a modern audience member, just be aware and it's fine, you know, balance it, recognize that it's there, call it out. Yeah. Um, but then also- I don't think it should be just censored from the, from yeah, the records. Of course, yeah, yeah. Not a issue. You know, that sounds like a person. Not a issue. Playing Glastonbury this year. Anyway, next email is about the Before Trilogy um, from Sonny. Sonny says, hi guys, I'm a new listener to the podcast and I've, li and I've listened to a few episodes and I'm loving it. Oh, That's I great. That. I absolutely Welcome. adore the episode about the Before Trilogy. As we mentioned every week, we did a bonus episode about the Before Trilogy. A lot of love for it. A lot of love for really it. Which is really nice. Yeah, so please go out and check that out. Um, the Before Trilogy, as they're some of my favorite movies of all time. And it and it's so nice to hear George, it was so nice to see George talking about those films as much with as much passion and love as I have about them. I adored the Criterion box. I ordered the Criterion box set of them before I'd even finished Before Sunrise as I just fell in love with them. And Before Sunrise is now my favorite movie of all time time very very glad james liked them too that's great sonny i love that nice my question is what is your favorite country apart from the uk slash usa to watch a movie from mine personally is denmark from what i've seen keep up the good work i'm loving the podcast sunny from hastings to watch a movie from so basically where where do i like to watch i films? that's a that's a tricky one i'd say because i don't i don't i can't i'm trying to think about directors think like, i'm thinking of it in direct like what the, the nationality of directors that I could say. Is it where I like to watch films from? No, it's like what 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 what, nation, what nation what nation produces films that you are really interested? What nation has an interesting film culture? Like South Korea has had like a really great. Mm, it's like, it's like the recent one, South Korea yeah. is popping. Squid Game, you know. I mean, like Italy has. <laughs> I was going to say Italy, like, Italy's pretty good. France really is alright. Poland, I mean, like. I've, Pavlikovsky. France is nice, but I don't. I can't speak on it as a, like an authority. I just. I like, think that would be nice because our knowledge is is like is is broader than it is deeper. Oh, and we're I don't, also English, and we yeah. watch films in English, and we're very like untrained in other languages. I, I, I tell you what, I know this is bad because it's another English-speaking country, but like, there's a, I, I often see a great load of Australian films. Oh yeah, yeah Aussies, you know, really. Yeah. Justin Kurzel and uh, all that lot. And uh, The Stranger last year was really interesting. Mm. Do you ever tell you about The Stranger? That's with Joel Edgerton and Sean Harris. Came out on Netflix. 
It's about oh, it's this film. I think you may have mentioned it. On yeah, it's quite a really good story. Slightly over directed. Okay, it's like almost like I'm like bring it back a bit and just tell me the story. It's this. Uh, we love Sean Harris, right? You know Sean Harris, like yeah, yeah whispery yeah. kind of really interesting, interesting squinty face yeah. um, guy and. The film picks up in like Western Australia, and it's like you know, would you hear that? Almost like Western Australia, Western Australia. Right, right, yeah. uh, It's because it's got Joel Edgerton in it, yeah. and he's doing his whole growly thing. Anyway, Sean Harris is just like in the you know Western Australia. There's a bit of a nobody, and he like meets this guy on a bus late at night, and the guy says, "Oh, I, you know, I I need to." Do you want to they just get chatting, and like Sean Harris like helps him out with something because he asks for it, and then the guy's like, well, "I'm actually trying to sell my car. Do you want to buy my car?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, okay." And they have this sort of interaction, and um, and the guy who sells in the car, then who's met on the bus, says, "Oh, you know, I know some guys who can give you some work if you want." You know, like it, meaning talking like underground, you know, mobs, mobster stuff. He's like, can "Give you some work." And Sean Harris is like, "Yeah, yeah, that'd be good." And one of those people is Joel Edgerton, who comes in with his you know ponytail done up and his glasses, and he's all like, "Yeah," and he's all hard. And they have this interaction. You're like, "Okay, where's it? Oh, cool, what's going on here? What, is this the stranger? Is this the yeah. is this Joel Edgerton? Joel Edgerton, the titular stranger?" And they have this interaction. And then this isn't a spoiler because it's in the first 20 minutes and it's basically the premise of the whole film. Joel Edgerton then goes back to his car and then we follow him. He goes back to his his uh, his home uh, and he goes into the bathroom and he gets out this tape recorder and he's like, I'm special agent, so-and-so and so. I'm on, the, on a mission to do And basically what the film is about is that Sean Harris is a suspect in a cold case, missing persons cold case from, from like 15 years ago. A child went missing. And he is one of many suspects. And Joel Edgerton is part of a massive, elaborate sting to try and get this guy into a position where they think they can get him to confess. And Sean Harris has no idea. And and, and it's slightly based on a true story. It sounds great. And, great? And there's a huge amount of resource and planning and tension to try and get... Sean Harris in the right place they can pull off this mission and like I said occasionally it's a bit over directed like there's a couple of nightmare sequences that are really right. you know, I think about unnecessary but bloody good story and the, the more it goes on the better it gets actually Joel Edgerton's great at like walking into a scene and commanding it isn't he He's got, uh, yeah. good, he's got great presence. Yeah, I see him. I'm just like, ah, oh, good and everything. Great supporting actor. I, I, I've said many times. I think he's one of the best supporting actors you mm. can have in your film. I, I, so I've kind of dodged that question. I was saying uh, New, Ze- New Zealand is a great one. Not only do they make all of the big studio yeah. films, they got like a, they're great exports. So they've got great comedic talent coming out of there. We mentioned Taika Waititi before. Yeah. But yeah, Rose New Master Zealand. Fair, yeah. Yes. This next one's from Cameron. Cameron writes into the show and says, Hi, gentlemen. Beware of this probably very long email that I'm about to send. I do hope it was worth the read. Please be under no obligation to read this out since it's probably 90% waffle. I've been a listener now since August 2022. Cool. When I was away on holiday in Montenegro, shout out to my girlfriend. I do, brackets, politely and with a little force, force her to listen. All right. So two listens for the price of one. While lying by the beach after, sorry, finding you on... Uh, TikTok. I tuned in for the Andrew Garfield filmography episode. Oh, yes. Liked that episode. Yes, I remember that. And gentlemen, from then onwards, I was hooked. Oh, that's good. Flash forward to now, February 2023. I've gone through your YouTube library and listened through 80% of episodes at least twice. Wow. Okay, so that's another repeat listener. At least twice. So that means there are are episodes he's listened to three times. What are we we putting in? What did you you say? Well, there needs... I mean, I love like uh, amazing. Keep it up, keep up. I I had Lord one, knows we need the views. I only had one <laughs> podcast in my life that I don't I don't really listen to now that I would listen. I would sometimes listen to episodes twice because it was that good. But 
three times. Don't let us discourage you. And that you. was when That's like great. the rest of my podcasts were like, no, I could. There's like, I literally had nothing else to listen wow. to. And that, but, but that is. And so the, the the emailer is called Cameron. Cameron, you. again, you're doing God's work. God bless you. And he says, not bragging, but I've heard other listeners mention they have only listened twice, and I do really want this to stand out. <laughs> Cameron, it does. Thank you for listening, and Cameron, thank you for listening for the second time. Yeah, and welcome back, Cameron, for the third time. For the third time, <laughs> and just in case, hi for the fourth. The only issue you might or might not care to ask is, if you're such a huge fan, why is this your first time writing in? Well, George and James, to answer that question, that deep burning question, you both huge, suddenly, wait, to answer that deep burning question, you both suddenly just miraculously thought of at the same time as me. Yes. I must tell you, I work for a company in the north of England that for some reason is behind modern office practices and disallows the use of personal music or phones at oh all. Are you working for the fascist government? No <laughs> That's terrible. Terrible. Or phones. No musical phones. Spy, MI6. Mm. All emails are traced. It's the only way I can okay, manage okay. to listen in. Yeah. Right. It's, fine. it's not because they're like anti-progressive of like workplace you yeah. know, trends. It's yeah. like, it sounds like you're working in a high security <laughs> environment. It's a high security environment. Okay. All emails are traced. So the only way I can manage to listen in is by pretending I've accidentally left my one-sided headphone on that we use for calls and having a secret tab open on YouTube that I play at half volume to keep me company while I crack on with my photo editing. Right, photo editing. So now I'm thinking you, you must work for like a media company, but production in a high, company. But in a high security environment, which are typically informal, casual, non-corporate. But what what are you, what photos are you Who, editing? What government eight government members of staff are you like removing from the photos? Like Stalin's government. He's, he's, he's like, like enhancing out. Ethan Hunt's photo in a crowd. <laughs> yes, like trying to edit it. Enhance, enhance. It. What are you listening to? Are you the guy that got rid of Boris Johnson in the Grant Shapps photo? Do you remember that? The, the, was that you? <laughs> anyway, but Cameron, again, I love the perseverance. You are you are like he's like. Um, Simon Pegg in yes. Mission Impossible trying to play the thing in the, wow. He's like the man on the inside, like, like bringing us in. The Amazing. feeling of the risk adds to the excitement of listening in. And I have undertaken the mission of spreading the Pulp Kitchen word and implored my co-workers who share similar passions for film and TV <laughs> to listen in too. Go into the kitchen and you've written out Pulp Kitchen with the sugar. <laughs> yeah, just like behind like the shelves of like, of like the, the, the archives. Like, and then like I also agreed about Ant-Man and the Wasp yeah, and then this like communist regime was like what are you doing yeah. not discussing media and art I hope so <laughs> like all art is bad do I smell a hot take on cinema <laughs> back it's to like you, the office of severance I think you haven't seen it but no. like very grayscale yeah. like, cool um Right, anyway, like, yeah, I would just like to throw in here that I'm a huge fan. Well, I hope so. Yeah, you got this far. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge fan, and I've seriously never listened to more consistently high-quality oh, podcasts. It gives kind. me a reason thank to you. look forward to Wednesdays. Very kind. That's uh, your you. opinions yeah. are a joy to hear. Sincerity and humbled afterwards do encourage me to form my own opinion from your recommendations. That's it, absolutely. It should serve as an inspiration to everyone that you find time to do this, as well as working full-time. Yes. I do also follow your private accounts, and it's also really cool to see how your passions are reflected there, too. Oh, our, cool. our Instagrams are linked below. Yeah. To make this even worthwhile, I'll drop some of my own thoughts based on things I've heard you talk about. I personally love the first two Hunger Games films. I encourage you to revisit them again, seeing as the dystopian future teen drama has died, hopefully. I, I think we agreed with that. We said the, that. We the liked first the first two. two. Yeah, yeah, and then the, the yeah. three and four completely. No, I, I think the two is sort of a bit samey to one, but bigger. Same yeah. movie, but bigger. But I, I, I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, I really see these two films standing on their own. The first one really comes off as yeah. a dark indie in its opening act, 
that I hope will surprise you. These are in no way my favorite films of all time, just something I rewatched at a similar time to your discussion on them. I'd love to personally hear your ranking of films within a series or to push the boat out further, a specific subgenre, e.g. slasher horror or coming of age. My controversial opinion is I personally have a nostalgic love for the film Looney Tunes back in action. Wow, God, I saw that in the cinema. I would say it is easily overlooked and not rated higher as a nostalgic family-friendly movie like Shrek or the Muppets movie. Yes, I'm deadly serious and will accept no slander of this know, movie. Do you know what? I have not. I've, so, I've only maybe seen I have, that. I this don't. is so weird. You know how my memory works. Yeah. I've only seen that once that at the cinema. Well. So that was 20 years ago. I remember a scene where they, because they have that where it's live action, but they've got the cartoons around them, right? Like in the real mm. world. And Matthew Lillard, who played... Shaggy in the live action yes. films Scooby of Scooby Doo. They're going through this cafe, and there's all the sort of characters there, and he and, and he's like got a cameo where he sat there talking to. He's having like a meeting with the cartoon Shaggy and the cartoon like Scooby Doo, and he's like, I, "I just try to do what I thought was right for the character. What, what's wrong with that?" And he's like, "Rubbo, I didn't like it." <laughs> Why have I remembered that? Why is that know. in my brain? It's like his own version of like the Gollum Smeagol scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the cartoon and the live action. Um, to cap off with, an, by the way, can we just imagine Cameron in his office listening to Pop Kitchen and then we answer his question. He would just be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trying not to scream. <laughs> <laughs> to cap off with an anecdote, last Monday, I got the train to London as me and my girlfriend, double shout out, were flying to Norway from Stansted. Lovely. As we arrived into Euston and headed down into the underground- Sorry, lovely for Norway, not lovely for Stansted. <laughs> as we arrived into Euston and headed down into the underground, I jokingly said to her that it would be funny slash cool if we saw either one of you considering how large London is and the amount of tube stops. It was funny to us as it was practically impossible. You can probably see where this is going. Right. But cut to Thursday evening after a very long day of two flights back home and an impending once already cancelled train back up north. Please remove this. This is too much personal information about your travel routes. That's fine. As we were heading down the underground on an escalator in Leicester Square, who should I see on the opposing escalator no heading up through the crowds, but an also very tired looking <laughs> James, looking dapper in a long black coat. I honestly swear to you, this is all true events, but I gasped in shock and prodded my girlfriend, who in return copied my very wide-eyed stare. For this, I do apologize, as her reactions were noticed by the woman standing behind you, who now probably thinks you're a B-list or very badly disguised A-list celebrity. Anyway, I would have loved to give you all the praise in the world in person, but I panicked, and the context behind even seeing either one of you was that mind-blowing to me that I lost the ability to even open my mouth and greet you. Wow. Alas, maybe we were just destined to be two passing strangers in an airport, or rather, London Underground. Maybe you guys should invest in some MCU-inspired cap and glasses for your daily working <laughs> alter egos. Again, love the podcast. It's unbelievable how underrated you guys are. It's truly only a matter of time to you blow up, to which I expect Pop Kitchen live shows and merch to be on the way. Thanks a lot for all the work distractions. P.S. You guys should check out Shrinking on Apple TV Plus from the minds of Jason Siegel, Bill Lawrence, Brett Goldstein. Um, Cameron, you that, that was, yeah, sorry. That's, that was me. That, uh, that Thursday, yes. if you listened last week, was the evening that we went to the Newport Beach Film Festival. I was coming out of Leicester yeah. Square at about 6 p.m. Wow. That was me. Uh, you should have said hi. Yeah. I, I'm sorry if... Um, they, I could, weren't they heading down the escalator? I would have been... That's impossible. Sense, I would have been yeah. heading up and even down, so it would have been like a brief encounter. I, I hope you didn't think I was looking tired. I, I think I have, especially on 
transit, like tubes. Mm, resting tired I face. I think I have a resting pissed off face. Oh, really? Pissed I think off. I could be a little bit like, I'm not really. Mm. So, so never, if you do see me, please just, just come and say hi. I would have loved I've got resting sad face. Do you, want me, do you want to see yeah. if I can do it? Hang on. Because I've done, honestly, I've-, I've, I've oh, You like, do, you do yeah, have resting I've, sad face. You're like, <laughs> hang on, hang on, I've got to do now that laughing. Ah, Sorry, you. listeners, I'm going to, you know. Yes, you do. See? You do do are people, that. Are people say I've that. many times thought, George. I've had okay, conversation with people and they've gone, oh, yeah, what's happened? Yeah, yeah. I think I've, like someone's died. Hang on. I think you're just going to quit sometimes. <laughs> like, he's not coming back. It's only back. during your reviews, James, that I do coming back next week. Um, uh, yeah, Cameron, thank Good you so story. much. So Good. many kind words, lovely story. What a, a bit of a shaggy dog story, but I love that. That's great. A, a, a covert listener yeah. who now, the tragedy, he can't go to his colleagues and be like, I saw someone. Cause they'd be like, how was your holiday? <laughs> it was really good, thank great you. Great weather we're having today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are you eating for lunch? Hello, Oatmeal again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They just sort of vague European communist block kind of agents. <laughs> yeah, but in the north of England. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cameron, thank you so Good much. Straight in with the next I didn't one. know there was another one. <laughs> this next email is from Teddy, who with a title called Most Underappreciated Movies? Question mark. I'm doing that inflection because I'm watching Shit's Creek a lot at the moment. I don't know if you've ever watched that, but no. the way that Catherine O'Hara talks in that is so addictive. To listen to, she has a very specific kind of American, Canadian, British way of talking. It up. Anyway, hi lads. He's English, definitely. From R- hi lads, Ted from Rayleigh here, Rayleigh in Essex here. I love your pod. My good friend mate Lewis recommended this to me because he knows I adore movies. And that's all I practically talk about. He's written in a few times, so I thought I would give it a go and ask you a question. What are some of your personal, most underappreciated movies you have seen? Mm. For me, it's Defo, La, Defo, <laughs> Lars and the Real Girl, uh, a movie with the strangest premise, I think, that turns audiences off, but I think it is such a beautiful and sad movie about mental illness and love and probably has the best Ryan Gosling performance ever. I would also chuck in Filth and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Right, just going back on that. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I do agree, underrated, although rated enough, uh, by now, yeah, Filth. I think he's fine and like is pretty wild. With directed. James, That's the James McAvoy. McAvoy. Have you seen it? No. Yeah, it's all right. It's, I, I think it's kind of been forgotten more than it needs to have been forgotten. I think it should stick around for a bit longer. Like, I've not seen Lars and the Real Girl, uh, but I'd like to. And I've always, I'm always up for a Ryan Gosling good performance. Mm. Uh, in terms of underappreciated movies you've seen, well, we did do an episode on this last yes. year, didn't we? Uh, the underrated movies and. Uh, Ones included Deepwater Horizon. I, I, I did that. Are we, we talk about them every like Steve, Danny Boyle, Steve Jobs. I yeah, appreciate. Yeah. Go back and check that episode out. And like, I would like to answer that, but we might. That's such a common question. We, 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 talk bring about it, we talk about a lot of things. We might do like a and part films two of come up, episode. we go, that's underappreciated. Mm, so maybe we might return to that later this year. So Have I ever said that I think 127 Hours is underappreciated and untalked about? We've, we've said that most Danny Boyle films are that's kind point. of underappreciated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Teddy. This next one is from Adriana, who wrote in before from Northern Germany. Oh my God. She's back. Hey, Adriana. Adriana says, straight in, I just listened to the before bonus episode. I, of course, always had this idea that these movies were so very special, and I was not the only one to have noticed them. But hearing you talk about them, I felt I was listening to myself. Ah, wow. The trilogy is a wonder to me, and I cherish it deeply. It is cheesy, but I had a classmate at university, fine arts, remember? Mm. And we used to talk just like Jesse and Celine every day on the way to the bus stop. It was such a great and platonic relationship. I could hear his heartbeat when he was around and his smell would simply hypnotize me. Adriana. 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 Is it hot hair? This is a family show. (laughs) 
he introduced me to the movie. I know she said it was platonic, but you write like it's- I've never heard someone's heartbeat unless I- <laughs> She's like, it was a great platonic relationship. I could hear his heartbeat when he was around and his smell would simply hypnotize me. That's not platonic. That's not platonic. I think maybe it's quite romantic. Yeah. He introduced me to the movie as a reflection of us. We talked about it and listened to Depeche Mode nonstop. That this- is so cool. And also, is this in Germany? I'm, I'm picturing this as sort of like, you know, like 90s Germany or something like that. You know, yeah. it's like, going to, going to, I'm sorry, but I want to watch this movie. I, this needs to be made. I was going to do a German impression then. I was like, how, how offensive is that? That's so offensive. This is probably my first remarkable experience with smart dialogue movies. And I remember thinking about it over and over again when someone would praise Woody Allen for writing good dialogue and doing his exercises on understanding the feminine figures. What I think Woody Allen misses in the feminine in relation to the masculine, the influence of the otherness in the perception of the characters. I I powered through because she sort of addresses it. Uh, Celine is what she is and she is what Jesse sees in her. And the same the other way around. Our view of reality is a combination of our own perception and their combined perceptions. It is so layered and beautiful. The dialogues have open ends. They are funny, sad, mistaken, judgmental, naive, all in one person. And that is the complexity of human beings. And still, they are as consistent as a human being could possibly be. They evolve. They remain. They wander together and separately. We cheer for them like we cheer for good friends. And we hope we will find quietness and peace in love, even though we all know that what is really coming is kids, chaos, long nights, disconnection, and then eventually connection again. Rest and pride of the achievements plus movie nights. Thank you for giving me this gift episode, Adriana. That is beautiful. What What? beautifully poetry. Like, I just, I leaned in. I I leaned into that. I hope everyone leaned in. I couldn't help but like lower my voice. And then she says, P.S. I finally got busy doing some math. I'm 42, but my husband is your age. I just felt like I had to say it. Lol. Hey, hey, Adriana. Good on you, Adriana. (laughs) Just the the, Um, the firstly, the quality of that email and the way you write about that film was just a really a real joy to read and hear. And I'm so glad that so many people are writing in about that before episode. I'm so glad it's connected with so many people and that people are coming out and saying, oh my God, I feel heard, I feel seen, I feel listened to. Because... Having such a strong emotional connection to those films, hearing hearing you write about that, Adriana, is like, yeah, I feel the same. It's like it's, I, I felt that. I, I, you know, I, I really appreciate it. Sirens on Orange. That's a loud one. Do you remember when we got really romantic at the Pulp Kitchen Awards and we talk, We ended up talking about like, why films matter? Oh yeah. And it was that whole idea of like, we watch the same things. It's like, yes, you felt that too. Yes. Like, isn't that yes. a cathartic Connection. thing to be like, I also, that also made me feel yes. this way. It reminded me of something in my life. I would just say, Adriana, if you if you really do enjoy the dialogue, uh, get get the screenplay, read it. I've got, oh, I, know, nice. I mentioned it at the end of the episode, you can buy it. Just just read read the screenplay of, of all the films. And it, it's so enlightening and enriching about the, the dialogue. Or what Watch those films with subtitles on because you'll pick up yes. on the exchanges that that are there. Um, the only reason I, I, I made a sort of wincing sound halfway through is that I I, I don't. I mean, I'm not saying you did say this, but yeah. I, I don't think Woody Allen writes, writes female characters well. Really, um, is that what Adriana was saying? I think she then. What I think Woody Allen, Allen misses is the feminine in relation to the masculine, the influence okay. of the others in the perception of that's, the characters. Okay, that's. So I mean, she sort of says there's something that he misses. I think I, I think he does miss stuff about female characters. I mean, yeah. I mean, to, in a broadly speaking way, I can't go through every single one of his films, but like, no. okay, I haven't seen Annie Hall in a long time, so I can't quite remember uh, that film. Obviously, it's told from his point of view, but like, I remember watching Hannah and Her Sisters a couple of years ago, which was really highly rated, and I was so disappointed. And that film is such a lie. It's not Hannah and her sisters. It's 
um, it's about the two men who want to sleep with Hannah and her sisters. Yeah. That's what it should be really it's be called. Like that. It's about Woody Allen who wants to sleep, and then Michael Caine wants to sleep with the other one. And it is Woody Allen who wants to sleep with insert female ghost. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And then like you know, Midnight in Paris. I know he's not in that one, but like writing it, like the, the women, the female characters in Midnight in Paris are, are awfully written. They're, yeah. they're horrible, or they're amazing. They're like they're either Leah Sadu or they're Rachel McCad. Oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not saying you were saying that. But just since the topic came up. Yeah, it's not a new point, but regardless. Okay, next email is from Jacob, who says, "Howdy, guys." Not American. Well, that's good because we would have we would have made we would have gone, gone for American, yeah, Texan. <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. Tip in the hat. Yeah, uh, loving the podcast and got vicariously ex- and, and and I get vic. Sorry, loving the podcast and got vicariously excited when you got invited to the film festival the other week. Is that weird? No, no. That's a get involved. I love yeah. it. My question for you. My question for yourselves is, that is a British thing to say. My question for yourselves. Yeah. My question for yourselves is... Or it could be my question for yourselves. Oh, 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 the overwritten dialogue. In dialogue <laughs> and correspondence of our emails. Do you have a film or TV show that despite positive reviews or suggestions that you just refuse to watch? Context. Ooh. I somewhat spitefully refuse to watch The Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) Here we go again. I am under no illusions that the film is most likely brilliant and that I am being a contrarian for the sake of it. I've just been stubborn for so long that I can't go back on myself. I also recall you jokingly mentioning in in a previous pod that people whose favourite film is The Shawshank Redemption have only seen one film. Did we say that? No. Someone said it's like saying your favourite ice cream flavour is vanilla. That sounds like the kind of thing I would say without thinking. I don't know if I actually mean that. Anyway, that's kind of how I feel. I affectionately call it the bouncer's favourite film. Does that mean like entry level, entry level film? Like, like, anyway, are there there any films or TV shows? Like a nightclub Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there any films? A bouncer's favorite film is probably John Wick, or like (laughs) something like that. Anyway, the bodyguard. Are there any the Hitman's bodyguard? You mean? Yeah. Um, Not the Whitney Houston film. I was going to say, what bouncers are you hanging out with? Are there any films or TV shows that you have similarly refused to watch either in the past or presently? Anyway, look. Uh, keep up the great work, Jacob. Just, I think we need to just unpack the Shawshank thing a second here, okay? <laughs> we because know, like, we did this last no, no, week. No, I would, because <laughs> I think we people need to be clear that it is one of those difficult films that we simultaneously love, yes. but it sounds like we're slagging it off every time we bring it up. It, no, it's like if someone was to say it's their favorite film, that for, that for me, that forms an impression over okay. how into films they are. That's why I sound really bad. I'm I, like, okay, cool. No, I think, I think, Here's how I would describe it. I think that your conversation about how much you love film can start with Shawshank. It can't end with Shawshank. You can't be like, I love cinema, I love... But that's the first time you said that. I agree, but you've not said that. No, no, I know I haven't said that. I'm just thinking about it. It's like, if you say, da-da-da, and that's why Shawshank is my favourite film, it's like, oh, okay. But for most people, Shawshank is like, oh, I really enjoyed that. And it made me realise that I really love films. And we go, yeah, great. Shawshank is the entrance. Yes. It's the beginning of the conversation. So in that context, it's great. I love Shawshank. It is a great film. And Jacob- It's not vanilla. What is your heart made of? Like, why are you holding out? It's a lovely to watch. I I just think, I can't think of many films that I'm like, I refuse, that I'm like conscious of. Like, I- I refuse. Yeah, that's not in our- We wouldn't be doing a film podcast. I'd have to have seen the film. To then like be like, I refuse to watch it again. Again, yes. Because that's like, unf- it's like I f- you refuse to watch it. Have you seen it? No. You might love it. Uh, I think refuse I can think of one. To watch. Go on. Oh, Fury. No, no I've seen it. seen it. Oh, you've seen it. Of course you have. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, what film annoys you so much? 
So I don't have anything that I would refuse. I mean, it's not, it's not in my nature to see. I think that you should go and... I think you should see Shawshank, peel off the plaster. It might change your whole life. Rip it off. We sat there drinking beer with the sun dancing on our shoulders and we felt like free men. I mean, isn't that, isn't that great? I love, to, I want to I love that now. scene. I we should I, do a rewatch. We, Oh my god! There we go. Do you? Do you there's, I guess there's. I think there are dumb films you probably refuse to see, like the Snyder Cut. Yeah, because that's like four and a half hours. But refuse makes it sound like I've got something like, uh, like uh, inherently. I'm not a. I'm not an absolutist person, so I would never yeah. like to write something off in totality. Yeah, it's 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 hard to have like a hard line on a thing. Maybe it's more like a film you've seen once. You'd be like, I find that really irritating. I will not engage with it again. We just brought that up. Maybe we should rewatch Shawshank. If you want us to rewatch Shawshank, or there are lo- any films that you want us to go back and watch from the past, you mm. can just let us know at uh, hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. I think Fury and Hacksaw no, Ridge Fury. should oh. be like forfeits for something. <laughs> you think all films do. are anti-war, do you? Get a load of this. <laughs> This last one is from friend of the show, Elliot, who oh, writes yes. in, Hi lads, me again, friend of the pod. Oh, he's, self, he's self-giving himself. Uh, he's a friend. He's, he's, uh, uh, Listen, Elliot, I give you the friend of the show, Monica. Yeah. yeah? You don't knight yourself. <laughs> I decide after having seen your name and accepting your email, I'll be like, oh, Elliot, friend of the show. And you should be lucky to get that. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> of course you're a friend of the show. I recently sat down to watch Synecdoche, oh, New yeah. York by Charlie Kaufman. Why did you leave a pause? I, I mean, Synecdoche. <laughs> New York. New York, yeah. Not <laughs> New, York. New York. By Charlie Kaufman. And then he's very kindly says pronounced synecdoche, but just in case you weren't sure, but I've read the word synecdoche before. It was a true, it truly was a mind blower for me. I haven't stopped thinking about it since. It's layered and deep, so much to be interpreted and in potentially more ways than one. The film has a pretty much, the film has pretty much, the film has pretty much invaded my brain, regularly finding myself thinking about it at least once a day since watching and still mulling scenes over for deeper results. I love it when a film gets inside your yeah. skull like that. Uh, it feels like there was life before Synecdoche and now life after it, oh, wow. which of course got me wondering if the Pulp Kitchen boys had seen the movie and if so, what they thought of it and Charlie Kaufman's work. He's quickly becoming a personal favorite of mine with Synecdoche and Eternal Sunshine. And if not, I was curious what films that have had that effect between... Uh, have Fuck. And if not, I was curious what films have had that effect and been a game changer for you. First time viewings that felt like momentous occasions in building your love of cinema. All the best, lads. Keep up the great work. Elliot from Margate. Sent from my iPhone. Good uh, question, Elliot. But on Synecdoche, New York, haven't seen it. No, haven't seen, haven't it. seen it. You've, I've, I've forgotten that that was, has been on my watch list for ages. Every single person who has seen Synecdoche who is into film has told me that thing, right? I think I tried to watch it when I was really young and I gave up. But I will go back to it. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman, of course. Like, yes. Thank you for reminding me. That's just that's just been nudged up my watch list a little bit. You see, I'm thinking of ending things. Yes. Yeah, so I was going to talk about that. Right, I mean, okay. we, we, I think we've mentioned that before a little bit. You, did you see it? No. Right. Yeah, I watched that. Um, Charlie Kaufman is an interesting guy. He is a bit of a a miserable bastard. <laughs> uh, in interviews and the way he describes himself, he comes across as a little bit self-important, a little bit miserable, a little bit humorless. And that is uh, really strange because some of his stuff has been quite... Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. On Charlie Kaufman, I I haven't seen Synecdoche, which is him owning the show. That's his whole film, right? I have seen I'm Thinking of Any Things, which is directed and written by Charlie Kaufman, right? With Eternal Sunshine and being John Malkovich, those are written by Charlie Kaufman, but they're not directed by Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. And I think it's better- Do we call it a Charlie Kaufman movie regardless? Well, is Notting Hill a Richard Curtis film or go. is it a Roger Michelle film, okay? I think that, um, 
With it, like I, I, I like the fact when it's kind of tempered. So, like, yes, Eternal Sunshine is a Charlie Kaufman film. You get that kind of weird premise, mm. but you also get that kind of like music video pop aesthetic from Spike Jones, who directed it, right? Yeah. And being John Malkovich, have you seen being John Malkovich? No, it's been on my list for such a yeah, long time. Yeah, it's, it's. I've only seen it once, but I remember it's so much better than it than it deserves to be. Yeah. Than describing it, it's got an unrecognizable Cameron Diaz in it. Oh, I but love like Cameron you Diaz. know, and 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 John Cusack and everything. Um. In terms of I'm thinking of any things. Oh, and, oh Christ, he also did, um, what's that film? Anomalisa. Oh, Anomalisa has to be oh. one of the most uncomfortable viewing experiences I've had. Anomalisa. Because Anomalisa, the trailer, people don't remember that. If people don't remember that film, that's uh, the kind of like stop motion uh, looking film and it had, it was- Oh, wow. Do you yes. remember? Do you remember? Look at pictures right. of it now, yes. It was David Thewlis doing The Voice and um, it's, it was set in a world where he's like a traveling, so he's at a conference. He's in this very boring, mundane world. He goes to the hotel and uh, everyone else has the voice of an actor called Tom Noonan. Everyone speaks the same. W- women, children, they all sound the same. And then he hears this voice and it's uh, the voice of Jennifer Jason Lee. And he meets this woman who's like completely fresh. And it's this idea of, you know, everyone's like an automaton and it's similar. And he just like, he, he, he hears something that's new. And the, it's, and the, the trailer paints it as kind of like restorative, kind of slightly inspirational turn. I was like, oh, that looks really good. The animation looks really interesting. Charlie Kaufman, maybe this is going to be a bit more like, a, you know, like Eternal Sunshine has deep sadness in it, but also mm. has like moments of lightness. I was yeah. like, no, let's, do, let's do that. So I went to see that with my flatmate, my girlfriend before she was my girlfriend and a friend of mine. And they were like, not really that into film. And I was like, but it's kind of like an animation thing. They were like, oh yeah, we'll go see that. And what you get is a stone cold, um, sparse film, which has an extended 10 minute sequence of uh, oral sex uh, between a puppet. And, and I'm, I'm, there was like a bone quiet Curzon cinema we saw this in, in Brighton, okay? And, and I remember feeling the people I'm with, with being like, this been, is not the film I expected. Yeah, and, uh, and the film slipping away from me. And again, the whole film had that slight arrogant um, uh, nihilism of Charlie Kaufman, which is like, you think things are bad? I'll tell you things are bad. And he did the same thing in with I'm Thinking of Anything, which has great Jesse Buckley in it, great um, Jesse Plemons as well in it, great David Thewlis, great Tony Collette, um, good budget, like it was visually very interesting, some funny moments, but and, and it, it loses me at the end. But my whole thing with that film, I was like, Charlie, have you forgotten that films are meant to be watched by people? Other people. Yeah. Who you. Have you forgotten that, like, you're making this with an audience? I felt like when I was watching, mm. I'm thinking of ending things, that he was like, yeah, well, things are so terrible. And he's like muttering to himself, putting this film together. And, okay, I, I, I'm sorry if I have told this before, because I feel like I have. But so I work in architecture, right? Yeah. People make buildings and people design buildings. It's this idea of like, who are you designing the building for? Mm. You're designing it for the people who yes, use it. It's not like, for your- It's not for you, yeah. it's for the people that use it. If you can include a design flourish that helps people or is, is aesthetically interesting, great. But ultimately you're at the service of the of the people, right? And what I have with like that Charlie Kaufman film, particularly I'm, I'm thinking of anything, is like, I've made this for me and I don't really care if you're here. And I go, that's fine, but- this I can't I can't I, I can't condone this I you know it's 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 a mass media where a film cannot survive without an audience okay that's my broad strokes criticism of a lot of theater it's like oh, I think yeah. the person performing this is getting way more out of it than the audience is as as Hugh Grant once said in an interview if it's not doing anything for the audience even on any level yeah. it's just a wank speaking and of that's buildings, what it is it feels <laughs> it's an indulgent wank that's what uh, I think if anything is I like that so speaking of buildings do you know that building in Shoreditch which is like italicized 
that's skewed to make it look like it's inwards and it's outwards. It's my, I, every time I look at that building- Can you show me a picture? I hate it so much. I hate it, so, that one. So it's made to look like it's in and all the windows are like askew. And every time I look at it, I'm always there and I just go, that is such an annoying building. It's not good looking. I don't think it's interesting or clever. And every time I look at it, my brain hurts. Yeah, I'm talking about the building. Maybe that was your goal, but just like, oh, just get out of my face. Right. Anyway, that's what I feel about Charlie Kaufman. And those were your emails. Right. Thank you so much for writing your emails. There's been a lot of emails today. As always, we love to hear them out. As I'm sure you could tell, they're just filled with so many great things. If you wanted to send an email to the show, please do. You can send it to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and we will read it out on the show next week. We've covered a lot of films today. Like, as in like per episode, films brought up per episode. This is, I think, up there. Yes, with, with many the emails. Many. Yeah, yeah. The emails do it. Yeah. Our games don't really count. But anyway, we are going to play a game. Good. This is a game we played, I don't know when, a few months ago, but I thought I'd bring it back. It's Guess the Film from the Famous Quote. Got it. I'm going to read a list of famous quotes. You're going to do two rounds, and George has to guess what film the quote is from. Okay. For reasons. Got it. Ready? George? Yep. You have to guess the film based on its famous quote. Ready? Here's Johnny. Uh, the Shining. I told you not to think. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Don't try to understand it, feel it. Uh, Tenet. Do you find me sadistic? That is Kill Bill. Yes. You're a sad, strange little man. Uh, sad, strange little man. That, and, I, and you have my pity. Buzz Lightyear, Toy Story. Yes. We all go a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. That is Psycho. Yes. Which would be worse, to live as a monster or to die as a good man? Oh my God. It's right there. It's not the Dark Knight or something, is it? Shutter Island. Uh, One name. Who are you? Seal? Uh, oh, um, is it like Doctor Strange? Super bad. Uh. The, dead only, uh, the dead know only one thing. It's better to be alive. The dead know only one thing. It's better to be alive. Is it like a vampire one? Full metal jacket. Oh, shit. <laughs> I've abandoned my child. Uh, there will be blood. No, you must not read from the book. Uh, the mummy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Stephen Sommer's 1999 classic. No! You must not read the book! The locusts come, don't they? And they yes. only eat they only eat like the the people Skin. the local people who are helping them. And, like, it's a bit awkward. I'm like, oh it's very like 1999 dispensable, yeah, dispensable foreign people. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. We've moved on. Um okay. okay. You ready? Yeah. Round two. You have to guess the film from the movie quote. Ready? Three, two, one. You have part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. The social network. No one cares about the man in the box. The man who disappears. The prestige. Yes. What do you want? Uh, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. A few, a few good men. No. What do you want? Uh, what do you want? Uh, the notebook. Uh, Honey, where's my super suit? Uh, the, the Incredibles. <laughs> he ain't pretty no more. Uh, uh, Fight Club. No. Close. Seven. Raging Bull. Fighting. Is that fighting? Okay, yeah. got it, yeah. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think I'm getting the black lung, pup. Zoolander. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Uh, oh, God. God. Hang on. Remember, 
All I'm offering is the truth. truth. Nothing more. Nothing more. Uh, shit. That is the matrix. Oh, that is where yes. he holds out Morpheus. the red pill, blue pill in each side of his glasses. <sighs> and Leo, uh, Neo reaches out. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth. <sighs> is that the last more. one? That's the last ah. one. George, I had the truth. Well done. You did very well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop, Pop Kitchen. Kitchen. A little bit lighter on the reviews, but more just Changing the chit-chat and the up, energy guys. and the vibes. Stay we hope it. you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. And uh, of course, follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like and share and add it to your bookmarks and, and send a link to someone. It all helps us. Spread the word. Write us a review. Shout from the rooftops. You know, if you see someone on the bus and they're like scrolling through the phone, be like, P.S. I've heard, I've heard Bob Kitchen. It's a really good podcast. Spread to. the word. But if you're Cameron, do it carefully. Yes. I hope he's not like Godspeed, in the basement Cameron. of his office, like chained yeah. to the radiator. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these people? Holding off. Who are these two men? <laughs> I don't like, know them. <laughs> it's the thumbnail of us like. Yeah. <laughs> what is women talking yeah. Yeah. at all quiet Western front? He didn't like Anchorman Avatar 2. <laughs> Why not? It's a great movie. <laughs> Um, sorry, uh, I, I apologize. We still have, obviously, every week we'll have uh, exciting films coming forward. Got uh, an exciting episode coming up in March, which you'll see in due course. But until then, see you next week. See you next week. Yeah.